through uh, the book of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 5 today. Last week in chapter 4, we talked about the attacks of the enemy from outside. They had critics. They had people that were, that were mocking them and just belittling them, led by the ringleaders Sanballat and Tobiah. And these guys are just pests through the entire book. They don't go away. They, they, they're just there. They're a thorn in his side. And, and so they start with just mockery, mocking him, mocking the, the, the fact that they're never going to build this wall, that the task is too great. These are just feeble Jews. They're not experts. They don't know what they're doing. They started something they'll never be able to finish. They're just these crazy fools that are trying to accomplish this task. It's just, just mockery. And then it escalates. Now there's intimidation. They show up with their armies. They show up to try to intimidate them, to try to discourage them. And we talked about how Satan will always use people to try to discourage God's people from moving forward. That you personally experience that in your Christian life, probably on a, a daily basis. Where Satan is trying, because he wants the work of God in your life to be hindered and ultimately to be stopped. And so what he's going to use is, is sometimes it's mockery. Sometimes it is intimidation. Sometimes it's just discouragement. Satan wants you to quit. He wants you to feel hopeless. He wants every time you fail to just rub that in your face so you have a feeling of hopelessness that you'll never be able to, to, to accomplish what God's will is for your life. But yet God's work will go on. God's work went on here for his people God's work will go on for us as a church. God's work will go on in your life because Satan will not stop what God is doing. We saw those attacks from without, but now there's going to arise a problem from within. What's going to happen is there is going to be some discouragement and frustration of the people of God, of the Jews, about their financial status. So everybody's coming into the city and they're working day and night. We talked about that. They were, they, some of them would stand guard. Some would work and they would actually work prepared for battle because they knew at any time there could be an actual physical attack. These threats could escalate. And so they wanted to be prepared. And so all the people were working. All the people were now in the, in the city working constantly. But it was at the expense of their personal financial being. They were facing several obstacles financially. There was really problems economically with just the, the, the culture at that time. There was some sort of famine that was taking place. The, the king's tax, Artaxerxes' taxes were just overbearing. So you have now, this is driving up prices of food. This is driving up a lot of, of, of the, the supply. The, the, the demand was now high. The supply was low and everything was expensive. There was inflation to deal with on top of unreasonable taxes. I know that we you know, have just arrived so much now in our culture that we never have to worry about things like inflation or insane taxes by a godless government. But, you know, we wouldn't face that. But this is what they were facing here. And it was overwhelming. Now, I promise you, you might think it's bad. You might think our economy is really struggling right now. But I promise you it wasn't as bad as this, though. They were at the point they would sell their children as servants to work off the debt. And what was happening is this. The rich were taking advantage of this situation. They, what they would do is they would make people 
make people really mortgage their homes. They would sign the titles of, of their property and of their, even their children over to them. They would charge extremely high interest rates, knowing full well that the common people couldn't pay this back, knowing full well that the common people couldn't afford things like attorneys, and they didn't understand how to read, read the fine print of contracts and deals. And what was happening was the rich people were taking advantage of this, and they were becoming richer. Now, the problem wasn't that rich people were investing in being wise and shrewd and gaining money, right? There's a horrible thing called socialism that basically says that, oh, if you're rich, you're evil. And it's just this assumption that if you have money, it's because you, you know, you gained it some way unjustly and, and, and evil. Well, that's not the case. But here it was. Here it was fellow believers taking advantage of the other Jews and, and charging extremely high interest rates, knowing full well that they would never be able to pay it back. And they had to mortgage their property. They had to mortgage their houses over it. And so you look at this. We, we, we say something often about how that we believe all of Scripture. We let all of Toda Scriptura. We let all of Scripture speak. And it's so harmonious. It's, it's, it doesn't contradict. It's harmonious. And you let all of Scripture speak. And what you see in Scripture is... There's not that the wealthy are good and that the poor are evil. And it's not that the poor are evil and the wealthy are good. No, there are people who are wealthy and they're godly. This is Nehemiah. And we're going to see how he's going to use his wealth for the good of others, for the glory of God. There are people that are wealthy that are godly, but there's also people that are wealthy that are ungodly. They're the crooks. They're the people that take advantage of others' misfortunes. They're the people knowing full well of, a, of the situation and someone's hardship, and they're going to prey on that and take advantage of that. They're, there's the ungodly wealthy people that, that make money through, ungo through ungodly and, and illegal means, right? You, we see that in our culture today. Some of the, the high rollers, the people with these amazing cars and these lavish lifestyles, well, they're crooks. You know, they don't pay taxes or they are Ill, they're doing illegal things to gain this wealth. So there's godly wealthy and there's ungodly wealthy. The Bible also speaks about there are some poor that are godly poor people. We see that all through scripture, but there's also like what Proverbs talks about. There's people who are poor because they're foolish and ungodly. They don't have good spending habits. They're wasteful. They're lazy. They don't work. They have this entitlement mentality that everybody owes me something. And, and we see that in the book of Proverbs that warns us there's an ungodly poor, but there's also people that are godly and poor. There's people that because of just the path God has had them walk, it's not that they're lazy. It's not that they don't, they, that they don't put, put godly principles into their money. It's just that's the path God has called them to walk. So there's two ditches to every road, right? There is a, a, a horrible, horrible teaching, the health and wealth or prosperity gospel that says that, you know, if, if, if you're rich, you're godly. And if you are following God, you're never going to get sick. You're, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to drive the nicest cars, live in the nicest homes. And that is horrible, horrible theology. That's not biblical theology. But there's also another horrible theology that says you have to be dirt poor and you can never enjoy or have anything nice and, and you need to feel guilty if, if you have those things. We don't see that in scripture either, right? There is godly wealthy and ungodly. The un, there's a godly rich and ungodly rich. There is the godly poor and ungodly poor. 
And the question is, where do we fit into that? We have to examine our heart before God. Well, let's look here in Nehemiah chapter 5. There was a great cry of the people and their wives against their brethren, the Jews. So there's this great outcry. People are not, they cannot be silent anymore. They are in such desperation. They are in such a horrible position. They are crying out. Not just the men, but the women. They're all crying out because of this situation that they found themselves in. It says, for there were that said, we are sons and our daughters are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also that, that, that were that said, we have mortgaged our lands and our vineyards and our houses that we can buy corn. Because of the dearth or the famine, because of the economic situation, people actually had to mortgage their properties so that they would be able to eat and feed their family. This is how desperate this situation was. The city was overcrowded. Everybody had come into the city and there was basically not enough food to meet the, man, to, to meet the demands of what was in the city. And this was causing chaos. This was causing chaos. This was causing hardship. It says that there were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that on our lands and vineyards. So they're borrowing, they're mortgaging their property so they can eat and so they can pay their taxes. They were desperate. But on top of that, Nehemiah is going to find out through listening. He's a good leader. He's listening to the people. He's going to find out that it's actually... The Jews, some of the wealthy Jews, they were going to be taking advantage of their own brothers. They were taking advantage of their own people with high interest rates and with, with causing them to sell their kids to, into to, to slavery. It says, yet now our flesh is the flesh of our brethren, our children is their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. Some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them. We can't buy them back. We've sold them. We can't purchase them back. It says, and the other men have our lands and our vineyards. So what's happening is, again, it's not that the wealthy are being just wise and that they're making good investments and nothing wrong with buying something low, selling it high. Like that's just wise. Do it. Don't feel bad about it. But do feel bad if you're doing it at the expense of someone else's hardship. If you're taking advantage in an unjust untruthful way even if it's not illegal it's just not godly and this is what was happening there were those that were taking advantage of the hardships of others in order to charge rates that they knew were obscenely high they were taking advantage of a situation knowing full well that those people would never be able to pay them back and that they would go after their houses, they'd go after their land, they'd even take their children as servants. So then, and I was very angry, Nehemiah says, when I heard their cry in these words. There's a godly, righteous anger that is stirred up in Nehemiah when he hears this. See, it's not a sin to be angry. Sometimes anger is an actual good and godly response to something if we're responding in anger towards sin, if we're responding in anger towards injustice, if we're responding in anger towards someone being victimized and someone being hurt, anger is actually a good response that we should have. 
The Bible talks about there's a sinful angry, angry though, and that is when bitterness comes in our heart. That's when we become angry and we lash out and attack people, but there's also a godly anger. And this anger is going to stir Nehemiah to take action. It says then in verse 7, I consulted with myself and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, you exact usury or interest, every one of his brother. He says, and I set a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, we after our ability have redeemed our brethren, the Jews, which were sold to the heathen. He's like, but now you're going to sell your brethren. And he says, shall they be sold to us? It says, and they held their peace and they had nothing to answer. That was an awkward confrontation. Nehemiah just, just tears into them and their response is silent. They knew they were wrong. They knew they were acting unjustly. And the problem that take, that's taking place is this Nehemiah saying, listen, we've been, we've know, known what it's like to be servants and slaves. We've known what it's like to be captives. We've known what it's like for the heathen to come in and unbelievers and the ungodly to take advantage of us. He's saying, now you're doing that to your own brothers. You're doing that to your own people. Now, once again, there's nothing wrong with being wise financially. There's nothing wrong with loaning someone money. My personal opinion and suggestion is that if you loan another believer money, in your mind, treat that as a gift. Now, you may not necessarily tell them that, but you loan them money and expect that, you know what, I may not get this back. Nothing wrong with loaning money. The problem was this. They were taking advantage here of extremely high interest. They were taking advantage of the hardship of others. And what was happening is then they had to even sell their kids as servants. It'd be like you pulling up to church in your car, in the car that you have now, and you see what used to be your car pulling right up next to you because someone else has it now. And out of that car comes your kids because those kids are servants now to that family. This is what was happening. And Nehemiah is saying, this is, this is unjust. This is unjust. This shouldn't be happening. Why are you taking advantage of your brothers? Why are you, we, God has redeemed us from bondage and now you're putting one another back in bondage. And here's where it comes down to, he says this, it's not good what you do. He says, ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? He's saying, ultimately, this is a deep-rooted spiritual issue. The reason that you're doing this is because you don't fear God. Because you're not honoring God. See, sometimes we think there's this disconnect to our everyday lives and our spiritual lives. Like they're disconnected somehow. Like I go to Sunday, get my worship on and do the church thing. But then Monday through Friday, it's completely disconnected from that. But that's not how a Christian should live. See, the fact is that if God has saved us and changed our heart, if the Holy Spirit of God is in us, that should then flow and affect how we live our everyday lives. How we treat one another. How we operate in our business dealings. It's not just, well, what can I get out of it? It's what's fair. What's honest. Once again, there's nothing wrong with if God's given you an ability or a skill. Use that. And be paid what you're worth. Nothing wrong with making wise investments and making profit. That's good. That's wise. 
But the question we all must ask ourselves is this. Are we doing it dishonestly? Are we doing it at the expense of taking advantage of someone's hardship and misfortune? And Nehemiah says this, the reason you're acting like this, the reason you're taking advantage of these things, is because you're not walking in the fear of God. He's saying it's a heart issue. And as believers, our testimony and our interactions and our business dealings, our interactions in, in, in how we deal with people, it, that matters a whole lot. Our testimony to the unbelieving world matters a whole lot. Our, our testimony before God matters a whole lot that we should, we should live in a way that is honest. We should live in a way that is just. We should live in a way that is a good testimony to the God that we serve. Nehemiah is saying, you guys aren't walking in the fear of God. He goes on to say this. He says, restore, I pray you. Or says, likewise, my brethren, verse 10 of my servants, you're exacting of them money and corn. I pray you leave off the usury. In other words, he's saying, listen, stop charging these, these huge interest rates on your brothers. They're having a hard time. Stop taking advantage of them. He's like, restore, I pray to you them this day, their lands and their vineyards, their, their olive yards, their houses, the hundredth part of the money and of the corn and wine, the oil that ye exact of them. So he's saying, listen, follow what God said in his law in Deuteronomy and stop charging your brothers these high interest rates and taking advantage of them. He's saying, here's the answer. It's not to just be, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. He's saying the answer is to repent. The answer is to make it right with them. Make it right with them. You've ripped them off. You've taken advantage of them. You need to make this right. And you need to restore the things that you've taken from them. It says, restore, I pray to you, them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards. And, he, and, and here's their response in verse 12. Then said they, we will restore them and we will require nothing of them so that we we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priests and I took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Now, now he's going to get theatrical here. He's like, I shook my lap and I said, God, shake every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Even thus be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, amen and praise the Lord. And what the people did according to the promise. So Nehemiah says, He's not just saying, okay, take your word for it. He's like, I'm going to pray that God will, 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 will bring tragedy in your life. I'm going to pray that God will take everything from you if you don't follow through on what you've said you should do. I mean, Nehemiah, is a, we, we've seen, he's a pretty passionate guy, right? And he's being very theatrical here, but, but he means it. Like, hey, you need to follow through on what you know is the right thing to do. This is repentance. This is not just, oh, I'm sorry. This is making the situation right. So in our context, we need to understand that, that if we've wronged someone, if we've harmed someone, it's not just a matter of being sorry and apologizing. Well, that'd be a great start. How many of you have been wronged by somebody? And honestly, you would just love to hear an apology. You may never get it, though, here in this life. But he's saying it's more than just an apology, it's restore. Make that right. This is the similar language of what Jesus told Zacchaeus, the tax collector, that would pocket 
stuff for himself. He would charge more and, 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 and gain things unjustly. And when he came to Jesus, Jesus said that proof of the, that salvation's come to your house is that you've had a repentant heart, that you've had repentant actions restored to the people that you have ripped off. This is what Nehemiah is telling the, the people here. Hey, you've taken advantage of people. You, you've used your wealth and shrewdness, not in a godly way, but an ungodly way. And Nehemiah now, and I love this, because now he's going to close out the chapter saying, look, I'm not just telling you one thing and doing another. He said, I'm going to live this out too. I'm going to be an example of this. It says, moreover, verse 14, at the time I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. So this is the first time we're hearing this. Nehemiah, now if you read ahead, like you know, but Nehemiah is appointed by Artaxerxes to be the governor of, of Judah. And he says that he's been appointed as the governor of the land. He said, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. But the former governors that had been before me, they were chargeable unto the people and took them, took them bread and wine and 40 shekels of silver. And their servants bear rule over the people, but so did not I. He said, I didn't do this because I feared God. So Nehemiah is saying, listen, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm being consistent. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Once again, we see just tremendous leadership. Right, because we all have known people that they're the boss. They tell you to do one thing, and then they do something else. They want you to work hard and sacrifice, but they're not willing to do it. They they want you to to, to, to rearrange everything for the benefit of the company, but you just get the idea that they're not willing to do the same. That's poor leadership. But Nehemiah is saying, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this into practice myself." So he was the governor, and as the governor. He has certain perks and privileges. Not only is, is this a paid salary, and we know this, remember, Artaxerxes is, is funding the wall being built. Artaxerxes is funding Nehemiah. Nehemiah is getting paid from Artaxerxes. But what the governors would do is they would then tack on all of the perks at the expense of the people. They could charge their own tax on top of Artaxerxes' taxes. Now, legally, he could have done it. Like, oh, I've got all these other business expenses. I've got 120 people under me that we'll see. And we've got to eat the finest food and drink the finest wine and, and live in a plush, uh, a, a plush uh, place and house. And, and you know what? I'm going to live extravagant and I'm going to just overcharge the people. Nehemiah says, I fear God and I'm not going to do that. In fact, Nehemiah, because of his position, because of his leverage, because of knowing, uh, knowing the, the land and knowing, seeing, having the foresight and knowing the upcoming developments and where things would be, he could have personally bought a bunch of land knowing this is the land that's going to increase highly in value. But Nehemiah said, you know what? I didn't do that. I let the people have that. I'm willing to sacrifice. What he's saying is, look, I'm going to go above board here in my approach to this. I'm not going to take every advantage and every perk that I could take because the people are dealing with hardships. The people are dealing with hardships. So why should I overtax them? Why should I put that burden on them? Nehemiah is saying, listen, I'm sacrificing of my own wealth, my own money. Once again, this is great leadership. Now, I'm tired of people telling us what we should do with our money while those jokers at the expense of the people 
are living these extravagant lifestyles. Oh yeah, things are tough and tight. You know, let's give ourselves this huge raise and let's raise taxes at the expense of the people. Nehemiah's like, no, I'm not doing that. I am not going to take advantage. Now, Nehemiah was wealthy. Nehemiah was well cared for. Nehemiah had things. He had leverage. He had wealth. And Nehemiah was saying, look, I've got enough. I'm not going to pile on more burden to the people. I'm not going to increase their taxes so I can live this extravagant lifestyle. In fact, you know what he told them? He's like, look, I've got 120 people under me. He's like, I prepare all this meal, this food. He's like, but it's not from the bread of the governor. It's not because of the taxes I'm increasing. He's saying, I'm not going to add more bondage and oppression on the people. Man, what an example here. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we using our wealth to help people, to help the work of God? Or are we using people to try to gain wealth? The question that we need to ask ourselves. Nehemiah is not going to use people to gain wealth. He's going to use his wealth for the good of others. He's going to use his wealth for ultimately the glory of God. He recognizes everything that he has is from God. And he's going to be a wise steward with it. He's going to be honest about it. Nehemiah is going to be generous with it. And that's a principle for all of us. Hey, listen, if God blesses you in a way you can you know, get a new car this year or, or get a new house, don't feel bad. Do it. Enjoy it. Recognize it's a blessing from God. But don't, don't be so consumed with wealth and possessions. Don't be so consumed with it that you're willing to walk over people, that you're willing to be dishonest with people. Don't be so consumed where, as Jesus says, that you can make money your idol. That's the context when Jesus says the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money is the root of evil. He says the love of it, us, us idolizing it, us thinking our identity is wrapped up in our possessions, that our identity is wrapped up in the kind of car we drive or the kind of house that we live in. Ultimately, no one even cares what kind of car we drive or what kind of house we live in. And if, if they do, maybe they probably aren't the, the true friends anyway if they base their friendship with you on that. But we can idolize things so much. Don't idolize things. Don't idolize possessions. Now, be like in Nehemiah. If God has given you possessions, if God has given you wealth, and by the way, if you have it, it's because God gave it to you. If God's given you a smart mind with knowing how to invest well, like some, some people amaze me. They can, you know, we all know about, you know, buying a house, fixing it up, flipping it, making profit. I'm amazed at you guys that can do that with cars. Like, how do you do that with a car? You buy a car and then like, you know, four years later, you sell it for more than you bought it. Like, I don't know how you, that, that's, that's beyond how I could wrap my head around that. But my point is this, God's gifted us uniquely. And if you have a gift in that way, if you know how to invest well, if you know how to, how to take a dollar and turn it into 10, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're doing it honestly, and as long as you're recognizing that all of your wealth is from God, use it for his glory. Be generous when you can to those in need. Don't take advantage of people's hardships. Try to be a burden bearer of those hardships. 
And I know that's it's tougher and tougher when, you know, it seems like, you know, we're, we're with the economy that we're in, it's for a lot of us, it's hard. Like, you know, we're just like, okay, I've got enough to, you know, pay the bills this month. And so it's hard sometimes to be generous, but don't think of generosity in like this huge amount of money that you have to give. Are you generous with your time? Are you generous to someone that has a need? Can you help a little bit? Well, this is the spirit of Nehemiah. And I think what we'll find is this, when you're faithful with a little bit, then you're going to be, God's going to give you more. I heard uh, Brandon Turner, he's a, a big real estate guy who's a, a believer. Some of you guys that listen to Bigger Pockets podcasts know who I'm talking about. Brandon Turner said this, he's like, you know what? When I made $1,000 a month, he said, you know what? I realized this, if I'm not willing to tithe off the $1,000, he's like, I'll never be able to tithe when I'm making 10000 or 100000 And that's a principle, and I think that's true, right? Are we generous with what we have now, because if we're not, we're probably not going to be generous if God blesses us with more. Be generous. Maybe you're not like Nehemiah in the sense you have a lot of wealth, but do you have the mindset of Nehemiah that what God has given you is ultimately his? You're a steward, you're a manager of it. So take care of your family, pay your bills, and then be generous when you can. Be generous where you can. If you can be, if God has blessed you in a way where you, have, where you have a lot of possessions and things, be smart with it, be frugal with it, but also be generous in every way that you can. This is what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah is saying, look, I'm not asking you to do something or telling you to do something that I'm not willing to do. We see that Nehemiah viewed his wealth and ultimately said, think upon me, my God, for good according to all that I've done for this people. Saying, God, ultimately I'm doing this because I fear you. I, I'm not doing this to get a pat on the back. I'm not doing it for a reward down here. I'm not doing it because I want people to recognize me right now. Ultimately, he's like, God, I'm doing this because I fear you. And I trust that you're going to repay me. I, I trust that you, in your time, are going to bless me for this. God, give us that mentality. Give us that mentality. Let's live like Nehemiah. Let's be generous. Let's be honest in our dealings. And let's, if we can, if God's allowed us to, let's, if we have the opportunity, like the Apostle Paul says, if you have the opportunity to do good and to help those, especially those of the household of faith, especially fellow believers, do it. Live in a way that's generous and a way that is honest. Let's pray, God.